Hello, and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about how to know when it's time to start pitching media. Yeah. What is pitching media? Well, that's a good question, Jonathan. <laughs> to, to me, pitching media is that you have an idea that you want them to grab a hold of. So you are initiating versus sitting back and hoping they come to you for a quote. And typically when you're pitching them, you're pitching them you know, an idea. You might be pitching for you to write something for them, or you might be pitching a story idea that they write and then include you or maybe your clients in the piece. Okay, so who are the like when you say media, what comes to mind? Like, what are the what are the, what are the big ones that come to mind? Well, I, I kind of put them in buckets. So there's a bucket that's media that's specific to your industry or your niche, and the media could include bloggers and podcasters. It doesn't have to be conventional media. And then there's the the um, kind of mid sized media that are things like. Um, uh, money magazine, if you're a financial person, something kind of like that, or their site. Um, and then there's the, you know, the really big ones. So that could be, could be the New York Times. It could be Fast Company. It could be Inc. Um, it's those, uh, those mostly name brand and Fast Company and Inc. are still kind of niche, but they have big names. Uh, mm -hmm. Fortune. I'd say Forbes, but Forbes really has a really diluted brand. Um, yeah, they're doing something but weird. Yeah, that's a kind of a tough one. Um, or if you're on the consumer side, you know, Cosmopolitan or Women's Day, Oprah, <laughs> you know, those kinds of sites and magazines and digital outlets. Mm -hmm. Okay, and and the the pitch, as you started to say, the pitch would be for perhaps uh, you to guest post, I would call it, or, you know, write an article mm -hmm. or something like that, or an idea for an article in which you would be cited as an expert, presumably. Yes, hopefully. Yeah. Okay. So uh, before I'm dying to get into the how you would do that, because this, this is something I've only ever dabbled with. And uh, it's a lot of work. And it's not my favorite kind of work. I'm not a big fan of gatekeepers. So I have a tendon of like a control freak aversion to asking anyone for anything. So um, I've always avoided it. But uh, but what we're talking about first is like, how would you know that you even want to start well, before we even get to that? Why would you do this? What's the benefit? Of, of well, the benefit is expanding your audience. You know, okay. you're you're jumping on their audience. And that's also a little bit opposite to of your comfort level, Jonathan, because, you know, we know you like to hold everything and own everything. But once you're to a point where you're clear that your message is powerful and that you've got, you know, some kind of a following and it doesn't have to be huge, it just has to be really solid, then you can start talking to bigger outlets to get access to their audience. Mm -hmm. And you're giving them something in return for that access, something valuable, and especially for some of these outlets, they are desperate for content. They have to feed the beast. <laughs> you know, you've got a magazine, sure. That's got a huge uh, gatekeeper level. But on their digital sites, I mean, they need content all the time. They've got to refresh every day. <laughs> it, we, we should have titled it, I don't know when to start feeding the beast. Oh, maybe we should. <laughs> New title. Yeah, beast, beast food. Okay, so... <laughs> Um, okay, so I just wanted to, I, I'm not surprised by your answer, I just wanted to spell it out. So like the idea of pitching media in the first place is that you've 
you know, you've got your big idea, you've road tested your talking points, you've gotten feedback from maybe a smaller audience or maybe an audience you have direct access to and you know your stuff is landing. Like you can communicate mm-hmm. your ideas. It's one thing to yes. have the idea. It's another thing to be able to communicate it in a way that will inspire action in the listener. So you feel like you've got that down and maybe you've got, you know, to use myself as an example, I've got a mailing list. It's growing, but it's not exploding. We've got mm-hmm. podcasts. They're growing, but not exploding. So, but we've got our thing down. You know, I feel mm-hmm. like I've got, all, you know, what do you call them? You have like these, um, uh, they're bigger than talking points. They're like these known stories. You have a name for it. Like, uh, uh, I can't remember. My stories, actions, and visuals? Yeah. So you, stories, the stories piece, right. Mm-hmm. And it's, you got it down. So it's like, okay, well, it'd be great to have a bigger impact. Um, as a side effect, you're going to have more people on your mailing list and more influence and all that. But if you if you're looking to increase your impact, then it's like, yeah go a little bit to to what I would consider to be more and more mainstream publications, even though you you specifically listed that they're not all, you know, historical mainstream. They're like, like right. Money, but it's bigger. Yeah. Not everybody is ready to start with the New York Times. You know, in fact, yeah. I would argue, let's start with something easier so you can get some results and get some traction and get some experience understanding what journalists are looking for. Mm-hmm. So what's the tension I'm feeling just to spell it out, what's the tension I'm feeling that's going to tell me it's time to start pitching media? Um, I think what it is, is you you feel like you're on a roll, like you're getting positive feedback on your messaging, on your articles, on your podcast. But you kind of feel like, but my audience isn't exploding. To your point, maybe it's growing, but maybe it's growing slower than you'd like. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you know, I'm ready. I'm going to put my my nose out there a little bit or my neck out there, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to explore to see if maybe I can expand this audience faster. If mm-hmm. I can, you know, help more people, influence more people. Okay, great. So what would you recommend? So like let's say let's say someone listening is in that exact space, they're like nodding, they're saying, "Yes, yes, yes, that's me." What what's the approach? I mean, I can mm-hmm. guess, but you're the expert. This is, like I said, I've never really done this seriously. Well, again, it depends on who you're going to approach. But one kind of sign that you know you've got something is where you have a hook to a really hot story. And there are times, and 2020 is one of them, where mm-hmm. there are only you know two or three really hot stories. Everything else is just kind of blah. So right now, and we're at the end of September 2020, you know, the the, the big stories are COVID, mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter, and in the U.S., the election. Mm-hmm. So those are the three big stories. So if you have something that you can piggyback on that without making it look like you're twisting yourself into a pretzel to do it because, yep. you know, they'll see right through that. Mm-hmm. Um, then you've got something to talk to big media about because journalists for the Times, the Post, uh, the Miami Herald, their editors are all saying, go get me a story on COVID that nobody's seen before. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's it's hard for these journalists. They're looking for ideas. So if you've got an idea that's the perfect way, perfect time to pitch them. Hmm. Okay. And, and PR people would call that newsjacking, right? Where you're kind of hijacking on something that's in the news. But in this particular case, this particular point in time, um, for big media, this is the way you got to go if you want something published. It's really tough to get them to look at anything else right now. Well, I love the way that you framed it, which is, 
you know, these journalists or reporters or just writers, they've got a boss yelling at them to go. They have a mandate to go get more stories that people haven't, you know, that are new, but about they're new and old at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it's like we need a new twist on this story that everyone is currently paying attention to. And if you can if you can find your way into that, then you're doing them a favor, right? It's like thinking about it's thinking about the 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 uh, I almost said reader. It's not the reader. It's the in this case the journalist is the consumer. Where you're yes. like you're like I need to make that person's life easier in order to get my message past them to their readers, so that the my ideas can potentially reach a wider audience. And speaking of newsjacking, there's a if, if people. Uh, really want to go deep into this. There's a book called, oh, it's by Ryan Holiday, and it's called Trust Me, I'm Lying. And <laughs> it's really, it's, the whole book is about newsjacking. And it's like, mm-hmm. and it's not, it's not really black hat. It's even though the title might indicate that. Uh, it's, it's really kind of like, uh, it's a, 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 not autopsy. It's like, a, <laughs> it's like a deep dive into the behind the scenes of, of he he would just like plant these stories and you know air quotes plant and just and just like use the use the the real mechanics in he he just lets you look behind the curtain and has like mm-hmm. a lot of proof that it works and the book's not brand new but I think the I think if anything it's more true now than it, than it was when it came out maybe four or five years ago anyway so if you wanted yeah, to go a there's... deeper dive. There's more media. I, I think the, the point I want to make sure that I make here is that um, journalists for big media are generally very sophisticated. And by that, I mean, they have heard it all a million times. Mm-hmm. You know, they've gotten story pitches and they get pitches on, you know, kind of very me focused ideas, like why you should showcase my company in your <laughs> publication. And when you do get an interview with them, they are typically going to ask you really probing and insightful questions. It's another reason why you kind of start small Mm-hmm. And you know, start with um, bloggers or start with an industry piece, and then work your way up. But I just want to make sure that this is not something that you know. If you want to approach a New York Times reporter, you don't do this idly. You really want to think it through and have a strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's exactly what it says in this book. As a matter of fact, where he was like, um, it, it, not to go too far into this, but starting small and working your way up makes sense on the surface, but it also makes sense in the context of the reality of where the people are finding their stories like the the people farther up the food chain in the in the media pyramid if you will are probably scouring smaller blogs for story ideas and if you uh, if you go and see a piece that cites another blog and then you go to that blog and it's a smaller blog and maybe they're citing a smaller fish and then a smaller fish and the, you know as long as they're citing their sources you can get down to like a blog that maybe has 100,000 readers Okay, you know, a small one, pitch them, and then it's everyone up the food chain that's paying attention to that blog is going to hear about it and perhaps pick it up automatically. Anyway, that's the thesis of the book. Now, oh, well, now, and the other now you thing don't have that... to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, thanks to. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, I think the other thing, too, is that um, slightly on the other side of this is when a reporter has an existing story and they're looking for somebody to quote, Mm -hmm. they will find those kinds of blogs and maybe you've guessed it on one and that's how they find you. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not uncommon. And they'll get on Twitter 
and start going, oh, who's the expert on millennials? Boom, 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 boom. Okay, so let's see who's here. And let me click through. And, and you know, they work pretty fast. If they don't already have existing sources, that's what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, th- and this, this, so back when mobile was the thing everyone was paying attention to, so maybe, you know, iPhone came out in 2007. It was announced in 2007, I it didn't really become a phenomenon until late 2009, mid 2009, 2010, when businesses really started paying attention to it. That was when you started seeing people everywhere you go, you'd see like a line of people waiting for the bus and they were all on iPhones and like not Blackberries anymore. Um, and so it started to, people were like, Hey, wait a second. And that's when all of the like screens are killing our kids. Horror stories came out. And that's also when as it coincides with the point in time, the one point in time when I was actually, you know, on Help a Reporter Out and PR Newswire or whatever it was called, and uh, and not I, I can't remember if it was pitching or just making yourself available. I think it was pitching. People would be looking for ideas and you'd respond to the idea. And I did get I, I had a fair number of interviews. You know, they they'd call you mm-hmm. up, they'd say, "Hey, can I call you in fifteen minutes? You know, what's your number? Or, your number's in there, but can I call you in fifteen minutes and talk about blah?" And they're like, "Yeah, sure." And and so. I, you know, I'd be like walking around in my yard or in the driveway and, you know, talking to someone from, you know, I don't know, the Detroit Free Press or something. And, you know, whatever, they maybe quote you, you just, I don't know if it ever, like, I remember it, it does, it worked for me when there was, when I had something to say about a topic that people cared about in general, sort of mass market idea that, yeah, you can get on the phone with these people, but I, I don't know if it ever I don't know that it ever did anything, uh, but I guess I didn't really stick with it. And, and it certainly, well, I, I think once I was in the Wall Street Journal. Yeah, I was. I was in the Wall Street Journal once. It didn't really do anything for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you, do you think, but that's, I feel like this is kind of the story I tell myself to avoid doing something I don't want to do, you know, where like, I know for sure that if I did that regularly, then eventually it would work. It feels like a brand move, like a brand Mm-hmm. awareness moves not so much like i'm more of a direct marketing type of person yeah it's you not know? it's not likely to immediately sell work mm-hmm. which is why a lot of people get frustrated with pr programs yeah right because you you know most pr consultants will uh charge you a retainer mm-hmm. and it's not small so you're paying you know depending on the size of what you're doing at least a few grand a month mm-hmm. to do this and you get your name a couple places and you go well so <laughs> nobody's beating a path to my door. Yeah, you really do have to think about it, especially with authority. Mm-hmm. I think you have to really think about it as how you're getting your authority out in the world. And if you did it just to increase your bottom line in the year that you're doing it, that might happen, um, but it probably won't. Or more specifically, you're not going to be able to point to something and go, that was the thing. Now, sometimes you can. Sometimes you get somewhere like you're on Oprah, mm-hmm. right? And all of a sudden, you know, you have uh, 500 more, 500,000 more followers on Twitter. You know, that had something. But even if you get that, does that mean they're buying something from you? Are they buying your book? Are they buying your services? Are they buying product? Right. So, yeah, it's hard to connect the dots directly. But when it comes to authority, what we typically want as authorities or build as people building authority is we want our name associated with our ideas. Mm-hmm. 
And the more places that make sense for our brand, i.e. where our ideal clients and audience are, are, are going, mm-hmm. then it does make sense. But yeah, it's not, you can't draw a straight line. Almost never. Yeah. So I I have, it, on rare occasions, I have seen, so the needle that I always want to move is mailing list numbers. Because that's, mm-hmm. that like, that's my community. And that's what I, that to me, that is the, the, uh, bellwether for all of anything else I do. And if, you know, if people aren't, if that is flat, then that's my, that's like the main number I look at in my business. So I, perhaps I'm just sort of like consulting myself here. If I was going to want to um, embark on a campaign to essentially pitch more media, I would probably skew toward things that make it really easy to to click through you know what i mean so in other words mm-hmm. i would rather be on uh, a youtube live stream than a radio show even if the radio show reached 10 times more people because right. a podcast episode or a podcast episode guesting I, yeah but see on a youtube a youtube live stream there's stuff to click right there like if you're listening to a podcast there's nothing to click you have to remember, you have to like, you know, if you're, you're probably not listening at your computer, you're probably driving or walking the dog so, or doing the dishes. So your hands are taken up. So you have to remember. That's why it feels like less uh, direct marketing, more brand marketing. Um, so if I were going to do this and take it seriously, I would need to be convinced that it was worth it, even if I wasn't paying someone. Well, see, it's interesting because I, I would run for the hills before I would put the YouTube live stream high on my list. Um, And again, I'm not saying this for everybody in the audience, but your audience has to be kind of a younger male demographic to make that work. That's not my audience. Now, Instagram could work. Facebook could work. You know, same principle, different platform. So you just have to find the place where your people are. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing that that you preface this with was I want to do things or I'm going to be more inclined to do things that are going to grow my list. And so that tends to be things where they can experience you versus an article. Mm-hmm. Right. That's why I was thinking, you know, an interview, podcast, um, a video, some kind of a video piece. Uh, it People can pull in a little bit more. You know, it's more intimate and they can they can do that. So it's arguably less work for you all you have to do is sit down for a 45 minute interview right right versus you know write an article that takes you a few hours to perfect mm-hmm. but yeah and it's you know you hit the nail on the head which is you got to start with what is it that you want out of this yes that's why i brought it all i feel like i hijacked the conversation that's why i brought it up and that might not be what everybody that that might not be how other people measure. It won't be how everyone's going to measure their success. So so that so thank you for bringing it back to that. Where the the point is, I feel like you should you need to be measuring something, even if it's intangible. You know, there I feel like people will just give up if they aren't measuring anything. Like because you because it's work. It's like a lot of work. It's it, or it's a fair amount of money. It's a non-trivial investment of time and money. So I feel like if you're measuring nothing and it's just an ego thing where you want to be able to say you're in the New York Times, that's like I don't know. I don't know about that. And if you're unless you're really committed to it and that's your main strategy, then I would, you know, if the if this title of this show is how to know when it's time to start pitching media, I would say 
uh, we said have your talking points down understand that you know that your message is resonating with a certain type of person but also know why you're doing it like know what you're going to measure to tell if it's working because otherwise it's going to feel like you're shouting into the void in my experience yeah and and it can actually feel demoralizing and make you not want to do more but it i want to make a point here though it doesn't have to be a non women i have too many negatives it doesn't have to be a big uh, expenditure of time and money now obviously if you've got a regular strategy of doing this all the time that's another thing but when we talk about starting this really what you're doing is you're you're going to you're going to research so you you going to figure out and it's a short list I would argue not more than five to start with. If you've never done this before, five is a lot. Mm -hmm. And you pick one to start with. And usually the one you start with is the one that has the least risk to it, right? And then you come up with a pitch. And so that's not hugely time consuming. I mean, you've got to figure out who you want to pitch it to. So once you pick your five outlets, you've got to go find the blogger or the podcast host or the reporter who is responsible for the kind of thing you want to talk about. You need to get to the right person inside that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, once you do that, then it's really all about the pitch. And the pitch is just thinking through the connection. It's, it's a strategic process. You're thinking through the connection between you and your content and what that, uh, I like how you call them gatekeepers, what that gatekeeper is looking for. And you're, it's really like selling, right? You're yeah. trying to match up what you have with what they need. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you said you, you five feels like a really small number to me, um, but I, but I, I agree with your advice. But now, let's say, let's say you pick five outlets, and in fact, I would, I would perhaps go farther and say you pick five journalists. Right. I mean, you're not you're not going to pitch everyone at the New York Times, right? You're going to probably pick. No, I pick outlet first, mm-hmm. and then journalist, unless I've noticed a particular journalist writing about the, the topic we're talking about. Like, if you were going to write about science, you'd probably want to talk to Malcolm Gladwell at the New York Times, mm. right? But yeah, it's typically okay. outlet first, and then reporter. And then, so if that's a, if that's a small number. Of maybe it's five people, maybe it's a few more, and you're and you're just like pitching them constantly. Isn't that annoying? Oh, but you're not pitching them constantly. Okay. So, and what I'm talking about here is we're not trying to create, we're not trying to turn anybody here into a pitching machine. We're trying to develop relationships with people that understand our area of expertise and will call on us as needed, really long term. That's mm. what we're trying to do. It's not just boom, 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 boom. Let's get my pieces all over the place. I mean, for some, that is a strategy and you hire a PR firm to do that. What we're talking about here is when you're really doing it for yourself and you're doing it, you're starting. Mm-hmm. And you're doing it in a thoughtful, measured way. Yep. Okay. Right? Okay. Yeah. And that's that's sort of like it's specific and non-specific at the same time. It's like it's like uh, be helpful <laughs> to this person. Like so so you got to balance this like um, gadfly bugging 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 thing against uh, being too um, too passive. I guess like you. <laughs> You need to strike well, a balance okay. somehow. Okay. Let's 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 divide this up a little bit. So mm-hmm. I'm not suggesting, you know, that you are a science expert and you start bombarding Malcolm Gladwell. I'm not suggesting that at all. Um what I am suggesting is if there is a blogger 
who writes about science, and there's some interesting parallels, you could approach that person and think about that in a, in a long-term relationship sense. Big journalists um, would laugh if you said, I'd like to develop a relationship with you. I'd like to be helpful. I mean, they just like, I don't have time. I'm, I'm on deadline. I need this. But that's what you have in your head. So the minute you decide that your job is to be helpful within your area of expertise, you've changed the dynamic. Right. Right. Because now it's not about, oh, let me give you these 10 different story ideas. Oh, pick one. Um, It's about, well, let me, I understand from reading these last five pieces that you did, uh, Mr. or Ms. Reporter, that you're really interested in this. Let me show you, here's some ideas about that. Have you thought about exploring this in more depth? And then you make a pitch. But you do it by showing that you've already paid attention, which is also why I have such a small list, mm-hmm. why I said, you know, start with five, yeah. because you need to do your homework. This yeah. is not about just, you know, throwing a bunch of stuff out and seeing what sticks. Right. Yeah. So and this is exactly this is exactly how I would approach um, just regular like a regular podcast tour pitch, like where you'd say you pick a few shows Ideally, ones that you like and listen to because yeah. it's going to make it so much easier for you to get on the show. I mean, like you'll know all the in-jokes. You'll totally get it. And when you reach out, that's going to sh- that's going to shine through compared to like the garbage that we get for this show all the time where it's like, mm. uh, you know, it's just like, uh, let me introduce you to the CEO. Of, uh, it's, like, uh. <laughs> it's like, if I haven't heard of you, it's not happening. <laughs> so, so yeah. anyway, the the okay so i love that balance i love that balance so the 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 trick if you want to call it that is to look at it as the potential a potential long-term relationship and you just start by helping you know serve like have this posture of service where you're going to be like hey you know i i I follow this reporter's work i like what they do it would be nice if they also reference me from time to time. It'd be a good, a good, in other words, it'd be a good place for me to show up. It's the right audience. It's not something I just read for fun that's unrelated. And be helpful, right? It's exactly what I would do for if I was pitching a podcast host or if I was or if like replying to my email. I mean, or mm-hmm. like someone or, or trying to sell a seminar to somebody. It's the exact same. It's the exact same thing, really. It's, yes. uh, I guess, it's just a question of like, um, changing you know it's like different target acquisitions like what you know instead of thinking just about it's like how can i help a different kind of person this one happens to be a reporter yeah and you have to get inside their head and you the reporter is not the same as your ideal audience now it could be if it's a blogger or podcast host you might have a lot in common in that case but a traditional journalist you know you have to treat them like a different animal but they're they're human they're people. They have needs. Um, and, you know, an editor pounding on them is one of them. They, they need to feed that beast. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thinking um, in the last couple of weeks, I had a client who got a call uh, from uh, USA Today uh, from a reporter in their specific area of expertise. And he gave them 
all kinds of information. And he did appear in the piece. And then she sent a colleague to him for another article. Mm. And he didn't appear in the second piece, but he'd given them a bunch of data. He was happy with that, mm-hmm. right? He was very happy with that. And sometimes you give, especially when you're an expert on something, you're going to give a reporter a bunch of background to help get them educated, right? And a a really good reporter who doesn't know very much about their topic is going to ask you a lot of questions and they might sit with you for an hour. And I'm always going to argue, spend the hour. Make them smart on your point of view. And even if you don't get in that article, they're going to call you again for another one. And you'll you'll get in there. It's a process. Yeah. And I I have had that experience. Like when mobile was hot, that that would happen. People would be like, like a person would, you know, keep you on the phone for a long time, asking you a bunch of questions. And generally, you know, since they're not an expert, they're going to ask a question that has like a nuanced answer to it. So they're like, oh, wow. Okay. That's more complicated than I thought. Like how, how come there's mm-hmm. no, there's, why isn't there an edit button in the Twitter app? It's like, well, think about what would happen. And then you, you like work that through and they're like, oh, wow. Okay. And so, so that person just thinking back on it, that person is excited by that because they imagine that their audience is going to have the same like, oh, wow, I'm glad this is interesting. I didn't think of that. There's this person that has thought way more about it than, than, you know, me or my readers. Yeah. Well, yeah. And kind of going back to, um, you know, how do you know if it's time to start pitching media? The the other thing that I wanted to mention is sometimes you have a favorite publication and you realize that they don't cover your topic at all. Or they cover it in a way that you just don't think is sufficient. Um, I had a client do this with uh, with Inc.com. Mm-hmm. And he saw an area. And so he pitched them and he got a column out of it. Yeah, I was going to go there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's, it's looking for things. And, and again, you have to kind of take the expert glasses off a little bit and become more like the audience of that publications because what you're doing is you're bridging that gap and it may not be the same way that you write for your own audience. Yeah, I totally agree. I had a, uh, years ago I had a column in uh, a trade, a small trade publication. It's huge, huge, like so worth the investment of time. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's so easy compared to, you know, because then it's like dialed in like every month. This was a physical magazine. That's how long ago it was. <laughs> but it was like every month you had this deadline and without fail the night before I was like, hmm, what should I write? And then I'd crank out 1500 words with some code samples and stuff. And people 10, 15 years later, people still reach out to me from time to time. It's like, remember when you wrote that article for FileMaker Advisor? Mm-hmm. Have you got those files anymore? Like that is, to me, that is a giant home run. And, and check this out. That's a potential uh, different success metric than growing, you know, for me, like growing my list, that's one. But boy, if I was going to undertake a campaign to get a column in a publication that was, you know, going to be uh, massively, reach a massively larger number of people and it's the right kind of people and there was a good fit then that could be a different metric for success, which would affect the, the actions that I took. So, mm-hmm. so my, if my strategy is to get a monthly column in some, you know, let's just say big publication, medium to large publication, then it's, I'm going to pick different ones to reach out to than if, I'm, if my success metric is to, I don't know, double the number of subscribers on my mailing list. Yes, yes. Yeah, you really, you have to be clear too about what, 
the publication you're pitching their audience and what they want. I'm thinking of, I had a, a client who wanted to pitch Fast Company. And, you know, I'm all about encouraging people to go for their dreams. But the problem was that the pitch was about, you know, a person. And Fast Company, a uh, company is in the name, yeah, right? It's about teams of people doing things. And I said, listen, you know, this pitch is has a really low likelihood of acceptance because it's about one person, what one person is doing. It's not about how a community or a movement is doing something or a company or a team. And so then when you have that, you have to find a way to reconfigure your pitch to increase the likelihood that it happens. And anybody here who has a, a blog or a podcast, you get pitches from people and you can tell when you get the bad ones, <laughs> you know, you know, they haven't done their homework. They haven't read it. They, they didn't even bother to look and say that you've never had a guest post yeah. in 10 years of blogging. Yeah, that's my you know. favorite. Yeah, yeah. And they want to, you know, they want to write an article on something that has absolutely nothing to do with you. I mean, that's spam. That's not really communication. But learn from those. That's why I say start with a really small list um, and start start small. It doesn't mean that, that you can't, you know, swing for the bleachers with something that is timely and with a dream outlet of yours. But don't neglect the kind of the spade work of people whose audiences maybe are the same size as yours, but a little different. Maybe you can help each other. It doesn't always have to be about going for the biggest name mm -hmm. in order to really build the kind of media coverage that's going to move the needle on your business mm -hmm. or the recognition factor for your authority. Mm -hmm. Okay, so can you think of anything? Can you think of anything that uh, just systemically or or structurally in your business that would make it more likely to um, foster these relationships or um, make it easier, make it more likely that this is going to start rolling on its own. So not, not on its own, but get easier, not harder over time. Now, like I'm thinking, you know, mm -hmm. make it, what are the ways that, how can you make it easier to get in touch with you, for example? That sounds kind of dumb because it feels like, oh, like everyone's totally accessible via email and and Twitter or whatever, but what a report like are reporters generally phone people or do you think you know you have that story oh, about the guy okay. that just sort of sat every morning <laughs> and answered the phone? Yeah, <laughs> that was a long time ago though. So I, I hopefully he wouldn't be able to do that today. But um, most if the reporter doesn't know you, they'll usually start with an email. Um, and unless they're doing, you know, a longer form story, they're usually on a deadline and they don't have any time. Right. And in my experience, they'll tell you what the deadline is. So, and, and usually, unless you, you're a very high level of authority on a somewhat arcane topic, they're going to take the first person or people who respond. So the way I've always looked at media is media has the same priority as the client calling. If you see, that's why when I deal with a reporter, I always put their information into my phone right away and I include the word reporter. So when it flashes on my phone, I know that it's somebody that I've dealt with before and I'll take that call. It kind of doesn't matter what I'm doing. It's a pain, but I'll take that call. And so th those little kinds of things you can do to make sure that you're at the top of the heap. And sometimes what happens is if you're the first one, if they're at the very beginning of a story and they're maybe not on 
on a, as critical a deadline yet. They might have a week or two or sometimes even 30 days. Probably not in 2020, but they used to sometimes have 30 days to work on a bigger story. But if you get them right at the beginning mm -hmm. and you, you've got this opportunity to pull them into your point of view. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden, maybe it's not as interesting to talk about the person who also talks about your topic, but from a different way. Right. I mean, sometimes they'll want both of you in a piece and that's okay too, but sometimes you can win them over early on and then they'll call you because they're going to keep talking to other potential sources and they're going to come back to you. If you've built that relationship of authority with them, they'll come back to you and say, so-and-so said this, or they might not say who, they might say, I understand that this to be true. What's your take on that? Yeah. And they give you another chance to kind of come back as they shape the story. That's mm -hmm. what you want. And the thing is, depending on your area of expertise, let's say you worked on a story with somebody from uh, the San Francisco, San Francisco Chronicle, and you work with somebody on that story, but they're probably only going to do one story like that every couple of years. Right? Yeah. You're not going to develop this bestie relationship with that reporter. You just want to be helpful, and you say... If I can help you in any way, I'd be happy to. Here's my phone number. Here's my information. You know, let me know. And you could stay in touch with them. Don't send them your blog post. Do not put them on your mailing list unless they specifically ask to do so. Um, but you could check in, like when you see their byline. You know, just like once a quarter, twice a year, just put a little note to yourself and go and look and see what kind of articles they've posted and send them a little note that says, oh, I saw your piece on such and such, really, uh, really stellar reporting or, you know, make a point about what they did. Mm -hmm. It Again, it's just, it's just what you would do to keep in touch with somebody who is going to be a client at some point. Right. Yeah, it's exactly what I do with my sort of internet buddies. Like there's no agenda or anything. I'll just, be, you know, the, I'm on a lot of daily mailing lists not a lot. I'm, a, you know, maybe four or five, and they come out and like every once in a while, I'm like, oh, good one. That was a great, great mm -hmm. message, man. Like, and because I know that 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 is really helpful. Because <laughs> when you get that feedback, it's because a lot of times, you know, they're just cranking out stuff every day, looking forward, 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 and there are certain people who, you know, when they when they are inspired to reply to one of my messages, and I know they read like all of them or lots of them. Yeah, there's certain people who I like really care about their opinion mm -hmm. more than more than others just because I know them and I know their um, their standards are really high or whatever. And I, you know, so it's easy to imagine a reporter would be the same way, you know, like they're constantly getting um, they're constantly under deadline constantly. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, that that was certainly I, I never came across a reporter that had 30 days. That's for sure. Um, it's usually Big, more long like, form content. Like yeah. Atlantic Monthly or the Atlantic. Um, yeah, that's true. I mean, most of the Christian Science Monitor. There's a few like that that do sure. longer pieces. Sure. Yeah, I guess that's true. That like the bigger print things they'll do. You know, even the New York Times and yeah. Um, but but the responsiveness and just sort of like having that. I like that as an approach to to staying on their radar in a way that they're gonna enjoy. You know, like mm -hmm. you said, don't put them on your mailing list. But you no. know, pay attention to their work and get back and say, you know what, this was I really like this. This was really good, and maybe even explain why you thought that. But uh, but that's a yeah. great great way to follow up with people. It's helpful for people. I mean, reporters are just like us in the sense that they're putting out content and they they hope it that it 
it fits, you know, that it doesn't bomb. And, <laughs> you know, and it's not necessarily that they don't appreciate a, an attaboy or an girl, but when it's specific, it's like when you give somebody a compliment, right? Oh, yeah. you look nice today versus, wow, I love those glasses. <laughs> those are amazing, mm-hmm. right? Well, and I, I, there's another thing that, that I want to make sure we talk about too, which is a lot of times people get this kind of quasi-imposter syndrome about pitching to media. And one of the signs that you're ready to do this is when you've got something important to say that is about you know this transformation that you make. It's about making lives better and it fits with their audience. Like it's it's something that they need to know. So it's almost like if you don't let them know, you're not helping them. You're keeping information away from them. You're stealing from them. <laughs> yes, yes. Right. But I do think it's important because, you know, I've worked with a number of clients who have just some amazing content. Mm-hmm. And I will say to them, you know, this needs a bigger audience. And I think it's time. This is worthy. And I'm, like, I'm not sure if it's good enough. I'm like, no, it's worthy. It is. This is time. And then, you know, you, you start pitching. So if you don't get out of that, and I call it quasi-imposter syndrome because I don't think that's really imposter syndrome, but sometimes you just need that boost of confidence to know that you're, you know your stuff is really good and you know it helps people. And so why not help this particular audience? Right. Yeah. I see that for someone like that, I see it a little bit more like curse of knowledge where they've forgotten how revolutionary the idea is because they've had it for 10 years. Ah, yeah. 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 Like how, how completely jaw dropping it's going to be for someone who's exposed to it for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Really. It does happen to all of us at some point. You're like, what? You didn't know that? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Cool. So is there, I guess, I think the only other thing I can think of is, is there anything you would do tactically to, to around this? So if you decide that it is time to start pitching media, are there other things you would do in the business to support this? Like, would you uh, ramp down other activities to make time for this? Or are there certain other activities that you think complement this and, and you should uh, perhaps emphasize? Is there, you know, should you make sure you have a, um, is sort of, prof- uh, I want to say professionally written, but like a, a helpful, useful press page on your site. Like, a, what are the other things you can do to support this kind of a outreach campaign? It's funny because when you first said tactical, my mind went to the last thing that you said, which mm-hmm. is your site needs to look good. So, um, and if you're in the middle of changing your message, I have this a lot with, with clients where we've repositioned them. They're like, okay, let's go now. Let's go now. No, we need to have the website needs to show that message. Now you don't have to have a media page on your website, especially if you're just starting kind of the goal is to get enough media coverage so you can have a media section on your site, right? With the places that you've been quoted or articles or things you've written for others, but it's just the, the site should just be, um, it should be clean. And when I say clean, I, I'm not talking about the design necessarily, but in terms of the message, they don't have to go to a million places to find the message. It's front and center. Um, you want to have a good bio. 
Um, you, you don't need this ahead of time. You can write it as they come up, but you will find yourself preparing multiple media bios because some will need a sentence, some will want a paragraph. Um, so, and again, you, and you might write it differently for a fast company than you would for a podcast on, you know, something else. So, you know, just be prepared that you'll be putting bios together. Um, this doesn't have to be a big exercise. And, and it's, to me, if you spent um, half an hour a day, uh, a couple days a week, three days a week to figure out who the good outlets are for you, um, it shouldn't take more than that amount of time every week and not even every week, but depending on how quickly this moves, then you need to set aside time to, if you're writing things, then that's different. You, you've got to set aside some time to write a column, right? Right. So that's a little different. Then, you know, we talk about carving up, but tactically it's just be ready. Have that website with the right message. Um, get your social media aligned with that website because you never know where that reporter is going to come at you first. Maybe they see you on Twitter. Maybe they see you on Instagram. Maybe they go to LinkedIn. Maybe they go to your website. So make, just make sure all those things are telling the same story that you're not having like five different stories in five different places places yeah that uh, social media makes it tricky yeah it, uh, it not not necessarily in this particular case but like uh, for a lot of people who are who I work with who are either changing their positioning or you know positioning um, really for the first time and they haven't been really active in social mm -hmm. media it's like oh that's a it can be a heavy lift yeah, well, and there's things, it, you know, again, it depends on the reporter, but a lot of people, bloggers included, go to see how big your following is. Yeah. And the easiest place for that is typically Twitter, maybe Facebook, mm -hmm. um, maybe Instagram. And most people, unless they're, you know, a huge media star, most people have a following in one or two and smaller ones in others. Like if you went to my Instagram page, I don't know, I think maybe I have like 400 followers. Like it's nothing. It's really small because um, I just started playing in it. I've used it more for personal than I have for business. Mm -hmm. um, if you go to my Twitter, you know, there's a lot more people in there. And same thing for others. So reporters um, are, are, if they're really interested in your topic and your name has come up as a possible expert in that topic, they will typically check you out. Yeah. before they uh, send you that email. Well, they have to find your email address anyway, so they, they have to search for that first. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that feel, I feel like we've covered a lot of bases here. Any closing words of wisdom? I think the closing words of wisdom are really about being ready for this. I think most people are ready long before they think they are. Mm. And so I would encourage people to, if, if sitting down and finding five outlets feels like a daunting job, just start looking for other places where your message would be well received and pick one and just, and do that. And if, if you need to make it small just to build your confidence, do that. There is no shame in that. In fact, that's how a lot of people have grown some pretty big media careers is look for the people that you resonate with, where their message, you take their message to heart as much as you believe they would take yours. Yeah, there you go. Fellow, uh, like birds of a feather. That's what I'm trying to think of. Yeah. 
Yeah, because we, I mean, we want to be with people we like, <laughs> right? And we want the, you know, the way we communicate to feel like it makes sense, you know, that our values are, are similar. Our styles might be different, but our values are similar and we care about the same things. Those are, those are your people. Yeah, great. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll shut perfect up now. Perfect way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right, folks. Well, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.